Hello and welcome to the European Hoops Podcast. We are a Sports Eaters presentation. We bring you all the coverage you need of the EuroLeague. Three times a week, every Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, we recap and preview all the action and cover all the news surrounding the competition. Join us on this ride and learn more about some of the best basketball played in the world. Make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Eaters EuroLeague. My name is André and these are my co-hosts, Diogo Valente and Tiago Cordeiro. What a week of basketball in the EuroLeague. How are you guys doing? Ready to recap round 28? I'm ready, Andre. Are you are you doing, Diogo? I'm good, guys. Let's get to it. On this episode, we will be recapping all the nine games of the second hand of this doubleheader and the impact that they had on EuroLeague standings. Let's start by taking a look to the breaking news surrounding the EuroLeague. Good news from Turkey, where Efes seems to be getting healthy, with Misic and Larkin coming back for their last game. Rodrigo Bebois also returned, but he had to leave the game with uh, another injury. We don't have yet uh, a status and how long he might have to miss, but uh, we hope that he will be able to contribute in this moment that Efes really needs all the players and all the wins that they can get. Mike James got an index finger injury late in the, their game against uh, Paratinaikos and missed the team game against Basconia. He doesn't have yet an official timeline to return uh, at the time of this uh, recording. Finally, in Greece, Pablo Lasso and Paratinaikos seem to have reached an agreement for him to become the team coach for the next three seasons. We will be detailing the impact of his hire once it's confirmed by the team. And uh, in the off-season, when we are previewing what to expect from each team for the, the following season. Also from Paratinaikos, the, there are growing rumors about they being interested in Vildoza as a potential solution for their guard positions. But uh, we will be looking into all of that once uh, the postseason comes and the, the market starts moving. Now it's time to start recapping the action of round 28. And we start in Alba, where the home team lost with Virtus 74-96. The MVP of the game was the great Milos Teodosic with 21 points, 1 rebound, 6 assists and 1 steals. Kyle Wims had 22 points, 2 rebounds and 1 assist, while Luke Sigma had 11 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists and 3 steals. Alba started the game with a 6-0 run, but Virtus played a high level of defense. They were able to force Alba away from the things that they tried doing offensively, and they kept building their lead, winning all the quarters of this game and scoring impressive 96 points. Virtus keeps trying to build their case for a place in the playoffs, what certainly won't be an easy task. They now stand in 11th place to win below 8. Tiago, just like the last episode recapping round 27, your boy Sigma performed at a very good level, but Alba didn't had enough to, to get this win. But let's look to the other side, and man, how good is Milo Siodosic at basketball? Amazing, man. Milo Siodosic, I, I want to see him <laughs> play until I'm old, not him, I'm old. So <laughs> it, 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 it's really good. Uh, about the game, there wasn't much of a history on this game. The, it's the same Alba. The Alba. It's the same Alba that when they can build off transition, they they will struggle for sure. And Virtus did their homework, uh, trying to stop their transition game. Just want to mention that Virtus allowed six in, uh, offensive rebounds for Alba, and this is a real concern in my opinion. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, what the. What Virtus Bigs are doing without Shengelia, uh, but they need to control the the paint for sure. Because if they want to compete on the playoff level, they have to do it that. Diogo, uh, do you want to see him? Do you want to see Milos Teodosic play until we're old? Because I do. I want to see him play until even after that. I mean, I double that. <laughs> <laughs> 
what else can we say, man? He was clearly the best player on the floor. Uh, regardless of the age, he keeps putting on a show. Uh, he led them all the way until the fourth quarter where he didn't even need to play in the fourth because they had such a big lead. Uh, and then even though they had that lead already in the fourth, they still got hot from three. Kyle Wims played an amazing fourth quarter and it was a blowout. I mean, this was a great performance by Virtus. Uh, and this was a game that they could not lose and, and they certainly didn't. And Alba, they just don't, they just don't have enough to compete this year. They were playing better, but they, they need more talent. This, this is not enough. Um, Sigma, your guy, Thiago, he, he played pretty good. Uh, I was really impressed with it. Not impressed because we know what he, what he can do, but he, he's very good as a passer, uh, as a big. He's a very good passer, and, and he displayed that on this game. But yeah, Alba just doesn't have enough, and Virtus controlled the whole game. How good it is when you have a, a player that you like and it be, he becomes your, your boy on the podcast and he performs at this high level, Tiago, you should be extremely happy with Sigma. He, he's incredible and uh, we love to watch him. But let's continue recapping this, this round and let's move to Kaunas where Zalgiris received and beaten Asveld 85-67. The MVP of the game was Achille Polonara with 11-6-2, one steal and one block. Ignaz Brazdekis had 90 points, C2 and two steals, while Jonah Matthews had 18 points, one rebound, two assists and one steal. This time around, Aswell wasn't the ones having to fight to be on the game. They started the game ahead, playing with a high intensity and were ahead 16-22 in the end of the first quarter. But Zalgiris was able to pick up their defense and play with confidence offensively to get this home win against a sold-out arena in Kaunas for the 16th time this season. After being down by six on the first quarter, Zalgiris won the last three quarters of the game, 69-45. They keep fighting for the playoffs. We know that uh, they have a hard path ahead, but they are now in ninth place and tied with three other teams for, for sixth place. And they have a two-win margin over FS that has one game less. And that game will be very important for, for Zalgiris to, to keep some distance and some margin in this, this playoff fight and in their ninth place. Tiago, you had mentioned in the past that the Polonari contribution will be key for this uh, Zalgiris team. And uh, I'm thinking that it's fair to say that he's starting to settle down and to, to step up with this back-to-back -back MVPs on this doubleheader week. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah, for sure. Even on the domestic league, uh, he's playing really good. Uh, he's helping uh, Zalgiris. And you just can wonder, what if he, he and Isaiah Taylor uh, come a little uh, earlier in the season to help this Zalgiris team? Uh, but about the game, we keep seeing Zalgiris' rotation adjustments with Isaiah coming off the bench. I liked a lot what they did because he brought uh, energy off the bench and they needed that for sure. Um, they started to get some stops and making uh, easy points on transitions. So that's why they they could compete in this game and they, they beat it as well. Uh, and with Isaiah Taylor on the floor, it gets easier to dudes uh, like Lonovas, Brasdekis, even uh, Polonara to contribute and to have easy looks. Polonara, for example, uh, did 3 for 4 uh, on the three-point line and it's really good. Uh, but yeah, Bryce Dekis had a really good game. Uh, at some points, he seemed like James Harden because he was playing a really good ISO ball. So oh, wow. it was amazing. <laughs> uh, but now being more serious, at, in the second half, uh, the game is 
has not a lot of history. Zalgiris game opened up uh, for them to shoot and contestant trees, and it was a blowout. Yeah, and how important it is for them to play with confidence and offense. We have seen their coach over and over and game after game to beg them to take trees and to take their shots and to take their open shots. And when they play with confidence, especially at home, that certainly boosts their, their confidence. It helps them to, to open up the game, as you just said, and to allow them to, to play at this level. Do how did you watch this game and what did you enjoy about this game? Yeah, uh, I agree 100% with, with what you just said. Uh, about the confidence thing and about playing at home. I think they usually play with a lot of confidence at home and then on the road they just don't have enough. And So that's a 100% accurate. On this game though, uh, with Isaiah Taylor, Brezdekic and Polonato off the bench, all three of them came off the bench, uh, Zagiri struggled a lot in the beginning and Aswell got an early lead. But then once those guys came in, the game completely uh, switched. The, the momentum shifted, and especially Isaiah Taylor, uh, with his ability to break down his defender, uh, getting to the paint. And he's so good on the open court that he completely opened that game for, for Zalgiris. And he did a great job in the first half. Then uh, a nice surprise was the, the big man, Birudish. Uh, with nice reads and some cuts, Isaiah fed him the ball, and he, he didn't disappoint. He got some easy baskets. And I think he played a very good game. And then with guys like Polonara and Brisdek is helping, they had uh, very good games as well. And being at home, they, they just couldn't lose this game. And they were the better team. Uh, Asvel, they, they don't have enough, like, like I've been saying. So, yeah, good win for Zagiris. They needed it to, to, stay a lot, to stay in the fight. And I just hope they can keep this momentum uh, on the road as well. Because at home, they are a very good team to watch, but they got to do it on the road too. Absolutely. And make sure you tune in on Tuesday. We will have an episode coming one day earlier because of the delayed game between FS and Real Madrid. And we will be previewing Zalgiri's game against Olympiacos and for sure keeping up and building on this momentum and on this road win will be crucial for them to get that um, somewhat surprising win. But they need to get those to, to aspire to get into the playoffs and to fight to, to be in the final four that will be played on their home court. Let's uh, talk about exactly Olympiacos. They received and beated Bayern by impressive 102-74. The MVP of the game was Sasha Zenkov with 18-4-3. Thomas Walkup 13-5, 3 steals and 1 block with another great defensive performance. While Bonga was the best for the visitors with 16-5-4-3 three steals. We couldn't have asked for a better bounce back after a big loss against Milano. Olympiacos had 2 big wins on this doubleheader. One against Barcelona and this one that they blew out Bayern Munich. Vzankov led the way and uh, he truly personifies what this team does and how well they do it. Olympiacos are now in first place. One win above Real that has one game less and three wins over Fenerbahce in fifth place also with one game less. They are in a premium position to secure home court advantage on the first round of the playoffs and that for sure will be very important for their aspirations to, to make it to the final their defensive performance was almost flawless in this game. On top of that, ending the game with 19 threes while shooting 63%. That is an impressive uh, Euroleague record. An impressive per per performance regardless for, of the competition you are playing. Wouldn't you agree, Tiago, that uh, this was an amazing win for Olympiacos and an amazing doubleheader to one of the best teams in the competition? 
For sure. Thank God that we have a guy here on his podcast that puts Olympiacos on the first spot in the power rankings, man. Uh, they're playing such a good defense. <laughs> you know, Diogo. They're playing such a good defense. And uh, besides that, mm. they're uh, their uh, top team on offense too because they're such a flawless team. And uh, I'm looking forward to see if they can... If they can win it all, for sure. More than uh, winning it all. I think what they built there and the amazing coaching job that translates to the amazing team play that they have, it's something that uh, they, they are aiming at building a, a team for a long period of time. And we have seen uh, Brazdok speaking about Zankov potentially going to the NBA and uh, underlining how much they, they are building around him and they want to keep doing it for, for the long run. Diog, what are your takes about this amazing performance of uh, Olympiacos, another one that they keep delighting us with. Yeah, they, they just keep playing uh, elite basketball. Um, obviously, they took advantage of Bayern not having Lusich, and they, they just dominated from the start. Uh, they started the game with a 15 nothing run, and they never looked back. I mean, like you mentioned, those 19 threes on 60-60 what? 63 like 63% that's, i mean that's that's insane that's uh, delusional <laughs> yeah that that is delusional uh, like tiago would say of course uh but yeah the that just goes to show how well they move the ball uh their energy at home with players like Lorenzaki is off the bench with with his passion and his energy it's insane and there there's not a, another team in euroleague this year that can match what they do in terms of being a real team. So I think that's that's awesome for them and credit to their coach, Bartzoukas, who has been doing an amazing an amazing job. Uh, Sasha had another MVP performance uh, with help from Thomas Walkup and the rest of the guys. What they're doing this year is special. Uh, regardless if they win it all or not, this is an amazing season for them. And Bartzoukas is 100% the coach of the year for me. I absolutely agree with you and... I will also easily pick him to be my coach of the year. I want you guys to tell me, and let's start with you. If you have to pick one thing, and I know it's hard, like that Olympiacos does, what is your favorite thing to watch? I really think we should sing their praises and um, praise them for the amazing level of basketball. So, Diogo, what's your favorite thing that you see Olympiacos doing? When I think about the concept, the concept of a team, uh, I just watch them play, and that's it. Like you can see that they are together. Uh, so I think that's the best thing more than what they do on the court I think it's just them being together and being a real team but obviously the, the ball movement the the way they, they are able to defer to one another they are perfectly comfortable with that and that's a great thing to see Thiago do you agree? Uh, I agree with you but I'll be more specific uh, you know how I like to to play the game and how I, I like to the game to be played uh, and it's the off-ball movement. They, when you have guys like Papa Nikolaus, Sasha Vezenkov doing the cuts and the back doors, uh, you just can uh, love it for sure. So yeah, I'm picking the off-ball movement that they are they have. I obviously agree with both of you, and for me, it's on selfishness. Yeah, they have the MVP that personifies that, and they are just absolutely a delight to watch. And I do hope that we will see them in the final four. I hope they they will be able to compete, and they will have the the right players stepping up on the right moment. If I have to pick the team that I want to win, not the team I think will win, 
they will be the ones for sure. I absolutely love what they are doing. But let's continue and let's move to the amazing Milano that are performing at a very high level. They won 76-62 against Partizan. The MVP of the game was Brandon Davis with a very big impact late in the game on both sides of the court. He ended the game with 14 points, two rebounds, three assists, one steal and one block. Kevin Pangos seems to be returning at a very high level. He was the second best PER player for Milan on this game with 10 points, five rebounds and seven assists, while Matthias Lasort was the, the best for the visitors with 11 points and six rebounds. It was a suffocating defensive performance by Milano. They were able to shut down the poor fall offense from Partizan. They kept them almost 22 points under their season average. That's that's an impressive performance for sure. At uh, halftime, they were ahead one point on the low-scoring 30-29 first half. In the second half, Milan was able to find better offensive solutions. They dictated the pace of the game and uh, they were able to share the ball, finding easy baskets that took them to this deserved sixth consecutive win. On the last episode, I asked if Milano was in contention to be one of the top teams playing in the EuroLeague. On this one, I have to ask, are they the number one team currently in terms of performance and momentum, Tiago? About momentum, yeah, but about performing, no. We we spoke about Olympiacos. So Olympiacos is still my number one, but Milan is up there with them. Uh, and you, uh, we already talked about um, Zalgiri's uh, what-ifs, and this is another what-if, because if Milan... Uh, started with this team the, in the, the whole season. I think that they were uh, luck on the on the sixth spot at least. Uh, Milano started really bad with uh, one in ten shots made, but when Pangus uh, got in in the game, uh, the game started to be more easy for them. Uh, he gave them a lot of energy with some flashy assists, so it's nice to have him back for sure. Uh, I already said it, but when they they're playing one of the best basketballs that we are seeing nowadays. Everyone can shoot, everyone can get a bucket, and guys know their role. Partizan in the first half played his usual basketballs, sparring their screens, actions for guys like Zach Luday to shoot or to play in high-low for uh, Matthews Lazard. Uh, but they couldn't uh, play off transition because Milano uh, did a really good job on that. Then in the second half, uh, Milan were getting few buckets on the paint and Partizan started to close on guys like Brandon Davis. But because they are playing such an unselfish basketball, um, he always could find uh, the backdoor cut or a shot in the three-point line. So it's really nice to have Milano back. For them, and I think it's mostly a matter of health early on in the season. Uh, so they could be close enough to now with uh, Napier basically unlocking this team and uh, making them look amazing for them to be close enough to compete for the playoffs. And uh, again, I remind everybody to tune in to our preview of the next round where we will have uh, Milano visiting Real Madrid and uh, we might have a preview of, of what... Um, first round playoff series could look like if Milano were to make it. For sure, they are not a team that nobody would like to face because they can be highly competitive. Diogo, did you enjoy this game? Yeah, uh, this is the Milano team that everybody, um, I mean, I thought that, but I think everybody did, that there would be a playoff team uh, at the beginning of the year. Um, they are now healthy and they are playing very good basketball. And in this game, what stands out to me is the, the defense. I mean, holding Partizan to 62 points is not easy to do at all. And they did an amazing job. Um, other than Kevin Ponner, uh, nobody really could score for Partizan. 
and and that's due to Milano's great defense. They they were very good, very good. Uh, but that's the thing; they've always been a a good defensive team. Uh, the problem was was that offense, and since they had Napier, uh, like you said, he completely unlocked that whole team, and they are playing good offense. They're, like Thiago said, they are unselfish, and Pangu's now coming back from injury. They 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 now have two point guards that can really facilitate. So it's very good to see. Uh, we gotta we gotta see how they do going forward. But I'm certainly going to be watching. They are an absolute must-watch of the Euroleague right now, and uh, I'm looking forward to for their game against Real Madrid. I think that's a game that uh, will be very telling of um, how high this uh, high level really is. And uh, let's continue with Real Madrid, and uh, they received Valencia, and they won 95-91 in a high-scoring game. The MVP of the game was Gabriel Deck with uh, 18 points, seven rebounds, two assists. Poirier had 11 points, six rebounds, one assist two steals and two blocks and Chris Jones was the best for the visitors with 19 points two rebounds and four assists Valencia really couldn't find any defensive solutions to slow down or contain Real Madrid on this game they needed a 51 point second half to, to stay in the game and to stay competitive we again saw Real building an early lead but not having the killer instinct to, to run away with the game allowing Valencia to, to fight back Valencia fought hard and got themselves a two point lead in the third quarter in the end Real depth and the superior talent got them this win. After a hot run where Valencia won six wins and one loss, they are now in an ice cold losing streak, losing their previous four games. They stand in in 12th place, two wins below eight. With this losing streak, it makes it extremely hard to see them catching up and uh, making it to the playoffs. Wouldn't you agree, Tiago? Yeah, I really agree, Andre. Uh, I see other teams playing and picking in the right moment and Valencia uh can't find their momentum, so I really agree with you. Uh, about the game, Valencia started uh, the game kind of double-teaming Walter Tavares after he received the ball either on a short roll or uh, in the paint, and he punished them, uh, providing some assists for his teammates. They started with uh, four dunks in a row, and two of them uh, was Walter Tavares' assist, so it was really good for, to see him providing uh, for the team. I know why Valencia did that because Madrid averaged like 36% from three and so they were daring Madrid to shoot uh, but Real Madrid uh, was scoring at in the first quarter so Valencia had to adjust on that. On the offensive end uh, it was fun to see Valencia in the in the first half not relying that much on the trees and taking advantage of Rivero he was playing really good and they were feeding him. So it's really, it's really good to see him play and being aggressive. Uh, but yeah, like you mentioned, it uh, Madrid really needs to find some consistency on the defense because they struggled twice. They had big advantages, and then uh, they struggled, and uh, the Valencia uh, was on a game. Uh, but really good win for Real, and overall, uh, the key players come to play. I just wish the, that Real Madrid had their floor general to help guys to have easier looks. Don't you agree with me, Diogo? Yeah, uh, about the floor general thing, um, I think that it, that talk is a bit uh, overused. Uh, not that it not that it doesn't apply sometimes, but I think they do have uh, enough point guards to to play good basketball. Uh, Sergio Rodriguez, even Nigel Williams-Goss, even though I think he's more of a scoring guard. Um, but even their wings can play make, so I think they have enough to, to be good on that end. Um, they got the win, but they certainly need to play better basketball. And 
I don't know if that's about coaching, if that's about the floor general part. Uh, I don't know, but I, I just don't like the way they play. Uh, obviously, they they get the wins, they get the results, but they need to be but they need to be much better if they want to compete at a championship level. Uh, because when it gets to the final four moments or playoffs, uh, other teams are going to be trying to win as well. And if they don't have that mentality to uh, to end the game and to to blow the, the teams out or whatever, they they're just not going to do it because the other teams are very good as well. They are contenders as well. So I think Real needs to step up. Valencia played a very good game and they deserve credit for being in the fight until the end. But to me, this is more about Real Madrid than Valencia. Um, I've been saying it for a long time that they've been disappointing me. Uh, with the roster they have, there's no excuse to not play better basketball. So I think that's that. Would you guys agree that Walter Tavares is the most um, important player in Real Madrid on the way that they are playing right now. Not, I'm not asking if he's the best player or if this is the mm-hmm. player that can have the biggest role. If right now he becomes the most important player because of the impact he can have on defense and the advantage he has on the offensive glass. Yeah, uh, I think he is their most imp- important player. Uh, I said that when we had um, the MVP discussion uh, because I had him in my top five. Uh, I think that his defensive presence is... is is so impactful for them and offensively he has gotten better and he creates a lot of problems for other teams in the paint so i do think he's their most important player Tiago, okay. would you also agree on Tavares yeah, being currently the right. most important player yeah yeah that, that's like you. that's because for me that, that's exactly the problem not not Tavares Tavares is amazing he's amazing on his role it's the equilibrium between roles within a team and you have players capable. They have players like Musa. They have players that are more than capable to take over a game. And uh, they keep it balanced between uh, between all the players, like trying to satisfy everybody or just uh, trying to not have um, one star or one dominant player. And for me, that's what they need to, to flip. Like They don't need to have the same player doing it all the games, but they need to go to their best offensive players. And we see them stopping doing that. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think it's about the wings because uh, Zan and Musa has been playing at, a, at an elite level all year. But other than him... Uh, there hasn't been a level of consistency that I think they need from guys like Ezonia, uh, Abalde, Kozor. Uh, I mean, uh, Ezonia had like a 30-point game against Monaco. I don't know if you guys remember. Uh, but other than that game, uh, I, I haven't seen him all year. Uh, and I don't, know, I don't know if that's because of him, if that's uh, because of a coaching option that he doesn't use him as much. But other than Musa... There just hasn't been a level of consistency. And I think those wings are what make Real Madrid roster so good. So they need to be consistent and they need to show why they are good and and why they make this Real roster that good. So I think Ezonia, uh, Kozor, Abalde, they all need to step up and they got to play better. And That's 100% the case. And for me, and uh, going back to what Tiago was wisely saying, the floor general, it's not as much about having the, the playmaker or the guard. They have high-level players there for that. It's about leadership. 
And the leadership can come from coaching, can come from the bench, can come from everywhere. They almost don't want to upset each other and uh, they try to, to give shots to everybody and they need to be able to go and find their advantages. They need to go and because I would say that in almost all the games in the EuroLeague, they will have an advantage of the floor. Can be inside, can be on the wings, can be on the guards. They need to find it. And the same happens with Barcelona, in my opinion. They they play this uh, very nice, balanced basketball. We see defensively, the teams can, can be very good and very competent. But in offense, it doesn't work to kill games and to get wins in the end of the games. And that's what they need to start doing. They need to go ahead and find their advantages and look for those players that uh, you just mentioned that can dominate any matchup and look for them and and um, explore that way more than they are doing right now. Ball yeah. sharing is amazing and uh, they should share the ball. But uh, in the end of the game, to win basketball games and to break streaks from other teams and to break runs from other teams during the games, you need to be able to do that and that's what's lacking. I don't know if you guys will agree with me. Uh, I think Sergio Rodriguez and Lul are both good leaders and vets. So I do agree that there's some leadership missing, but I think I, I will lean more to coaching than to players because those two players, uh, I think it, they're guys that everybody respects and they listen to and they are guards as well. So they have the ball in their hands. But I, I think it's... It's on coaching more than on players. That's why yeah. I don't agree with the floor general point uh, because I think they have players who are capable of doing that. So uh, I think it's more about coaching. Yeah, and, 100%, because yeah. it's not even a problem of attitude and those are excellent players and they have high-level players and people, I cannot think from the top of my head like massive problems with any of the real players like in terms of attitude or... Uh, stardom, that that type of issues. So we just have, for example, a Musa player that uh, hit the bottom. He had to go down, play his way back up, and uh, after yeah. being in the NBA, and he has like an amazing story and what he did with Bosnia in the international competitions as well. Like he, they have that type of pedigree within their team. Even Tavares. Yeah, I, I really, I really just think it's about the play style. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's about play style, and uh, it's about the way that they are going about the game of basketball and uh, they are not making the most of the roster that they have. And that for me is why they keep allowing teams to compete. Of course, they have an absolutely amazing roster and they will win enough games to be on the playoffs in the end. And uh, they probably will even get home court advantage because their roster is that good. But to win it all, they really need to step up and uh, there are talks about a coaching change there and I don't think that's uh, that's random and I think it's related with that and I think this is Green why... Cherry, please. <laughs> yeah, how amazing <laughs> will that be? I, I don't like to single out coaches because many times there are things that we don't know about and yeah, sure, many sure. times there are promises of shots, of minutes and all of those things. So in both cases of Barcelona and Real Madrid, they, they build this... Uh, teams filled with stars and, and expensive contracts and many times those things are involved as well instead of just looking to building a team and pieces that fit next to each other but it is i 100 agree with you and um, the floor general might be on the bench more than uh, a guard able to to control the pace of a game that that i think that they are able to have so i absolutely agree with you and i think that this is why real madrid have has these struggles and why we don't see them as 
real contenders, even if they, they have the roster, able to do that. And let's hope that they step up because all we want is high-level basketball. Let's uh, move on to the second day of round 28 and start with an impressive performance of Maccabi on their visit to Ephesus, getting the win 64-86. The MVP of this game was Josh Nebo with 10 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists and 1 block. Wade Baldwin the fourth, had another great performance with 23 points, 2 rebounds, 4 assists and 1 steal. While Danson was the best for the, the home team with 10 points, 7 rebounds, 1 assist and 1 block. After beating Fenerbahce at home, Maccabi didn't miss a bit and they kept building on that and they had another elite performance especially offensively on the first half scoring 54 points against FS. They were able to, to play very solid defensively across the game and they are showing signs of stepping up on the defensive side as well what will be key for them to, to be competitive they were able to lock this win that is only their fourth road win this season this wins get, gets them into eighth place with 15 wins and 30 losses Ephes has some real catching up to do in this uh, last uh, seven rounds of the, the season for them seven rounds because they have one delayed game they are two wins below eight now after losing to, to Red Star and uh, Maccabi on this double header they have one game less uh, than the other teams so they have seven games less uh, as I just uh, mentioned they will be receiving Real and Partizan that is a direct opponent to them on the next round and they will visit Alba received the Red Hot Milano followed by Virtus on another double header this season and uh, they will be playing on the road against Fenerbahce and welcome Monarch to end the season so they are able to compete for all of these games but they will be playing against um, top teams and with probably an extra motivation to try to kick them out of the playoffs so their path won't be that easy to get it there and it all will start with uh, getting a win against Partizan a direct opponent they are still on the hunt but uh, they can't afford another loss with uh, the teams that are below them on the standings and uh, will need to get some really tough wins the, the rest of the way I think we are past the point of the debating what they need to do now it's about character and facing each game as a final for for Let's see what uh, they are capable of and uh, in the end we will be here to recap their season and see what went wrong or where they turned it around. For Maccabi, after beating two tough op opponents on this uh, doubleheader and uh, with a favorable schedule for the last six rounds, including four home games where they thrive and they have the best home court of the competition. I think you will agree that uh, our prediction of Maccabi being a playoff team with a real shot to get to the sixth place seems even more likely now, wouldn't you say so, Tiago? For sure, Andre. You guys are good experts. Uh, <laughs> Maccabi started real good on this game and getting <laughs> some stops since the beginning. It was really good to see, to see them playing uh, defense. And thank God they, that... Um, Maccabi players hear our podcast because they started sharing the ball and involving all the five guys uh, to get easier looks. They weren't playing that ISO ball that we mentioned it in the previous uh, round. And that's why they, they didn't give a chance to Efes. And they, if they can keep their defense uh, locked in uh, for the rest of the season, they might uh, win a playoff series. I, don't, I think so. Diogo, are you still in the Efes bandwagon? Y'all really going to make me go through this? Of course we will. Come on. We are here for that. This is a content that people want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm not. Um, and it's not well, just because for, of this game. 
Wait, wait, but for real, but, do, do, you, do you think that they are out of the playoffs? Because I still think that they can make it. No, no, I think bandwagon, I think he was talking about championships. In terms of a championship, I, I don't see it. Uh, I, I still think they can make the playoffs, and I don't think that's being delusional. <laughs> but about the championship, uh, I will quit being delusional, and I will stop with that. Um, <laughs> how do I put this? They... <laughs> Like we said about Real Madrid, uh, it's about the play style. Uh, it's certainly not about the talent they have or the roster because it, it is amazing. But they don't. I, I don't think they play to their biggest strength, which is to play on the open court, to use Will Clyburn when when on half court instead of just playing pick and roll. Like I think they use like three or four screens uh, on the ball screens for possession and. I don't know if that's an exaggeration, but I don't think so. Uh, and with a guy like Will Clyburn on the team, you, you have to use him. Like, play him in the low post, let him play one-on-one, because he's amazing at it. Um, but yeah, like Thiago said, Maccabi did a very good job sharing the ball and playing on the half-court offense, which they had some problems in the past. So that's amazing for them. And, and then... Efes, again, the injuries are starting to catch up. I mean, Misic is banged up. Larkin is banged up. Bobois got hurt again. So it's tough, man. Um, Maccabi played a great game. They, they were elite on the three-point shooting. And Wade Baldwin was awesome after struggling against Fenerbahce. So this was an elite offensive performance by Maccabi. Defensively, I think they were okay. But I think he, he had more to do with the uh, FH struggles than with Maccabi's defense uh, because uh, in, playing the pick and roll at first, um, FH was getting some easy looks because they were playing drop coverage on Shane Larkin and on Misic and they worked on some easy baskets. Uh, but they adjusted and they played a, a decent defensive game. But I, I just think FH offensive struggles were, were the biggest reason for that low-scoring performance with 64 points. But it was a great win by Maccabi, for sure. They are 100% a playoff team, and they deserve it. For me, this was mostly a celebration of the Maccabi's momentum more than an underlying moment of EFA uh, struggle, even if it was both as well as, as you put it. For me, Maccabi uh, stepping up on the defensive side is not as much on their defensive coverage. Uh, I just see them stepping up and being able to do a better job and start showing signs of being able to compete on the defensive glass. It's one of the keys of their game. If they're able to rebound and run, they, they really thrive doing that. They have the pieces to do it, and they do it pretty well. Even their bench unit also thrive at that and that's one of the keys for them to be competitive and to stay in the games against the the hardest opponents and this was uh, another show of that and they are starting to build a good momentum having four home games on the last six of the the season will help them to go into the playoff motivated and playing at a very good level i don't think home court advantage is on the cards for them and uh, i think they will struggle to to win uh, a first round playoff season uh, series having to to play on the road but uh, they are one of the, the good teams to watch and they are playing at a very good level. Let's continue and speaking about uh, good teams to watch and uh, are performing at a good level and uh, I really love to see teams putting it together in the right moment and I think that might be happening for Fenerbahce. They received and beat at Barcelona, 81-73. I didn't thought that uh, they would have the legs to do it with some pieces coming back and, and adding some new pieces to their roster, but... 
they really perform at a very high level. They show character and they, they got this uh, this very good win. And they certainly have the level to do it. I just thought that in this doubleheader, it will be a hard sport for them, especially after Barcelona losing in Olympiacos. And I hoped more attitude from them and being able to to bounce back. But they really weren't. And Fenerbahce dominated this matchup. Nigel Hayes-Davis was the MVP of the game with 10 points, 4 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal and 2 blocks. Motley had 16 points, 1 rebound, 3 assists and 1 block. While Mirotic was the, the best for Barcelona with 19 points. Five rebounds, three assists and one steal. Looking at the final score, it will be very hard to guess that uh, Barcelona was ahead 18-30 on the end of the, the first quarter. This was a great team effort from Fenerbahce. They were able to bounce back from a 12-point deficit that they had in the first quarter. They came into the second quarter playing with physicality and uh, the way that they took care of the ball the rest of the way, it was impressive. They averaged only one turnover per quarter for the last three quarters of the game, having only three turnovers for the from the second to the fourth quarter. Barcelona is able to, to play some of the, the best basketball in the competition and has the talent to do it. And for me... The, that's why I call them the, the number one contenders. Although if uh, they are on the tier with other teams and Fenerbahce is right there with them and they, they showed why on this game. We see the pieces starting to connect for Fenerbahce potentially at the right time. And let's see if they can keep building on this this victory. They, they might be starting to flash a championship level of uh, basketball. And uh, I have them as one of the favorites to be on the final four this in this edition of the Euroleague. For Barcelona, we keep seeing this happening. They struggling to punch back when teams are able to to put up a fight. That's something that uh, they need to fix in order to to win it at the, the highest level. But let's talk about positives. And one of the highlights of this doubleheader was Nigel Hayes-Davis showing up some improved offensive ability. How big his performance was for Fenerbahce on this game and to get this win, Tiago? On the doubleheader, he played really good basketball. Uh, he's uh, an elite defender, but if he can bring this uh, his, offense, his offense game for the remainder of the season, uh, I have to consider him in the top five of my small forwards. Uh, but yeah, it's really nice to see him play. He knows his role. Uh, and it's really nice to see uh, good reach too. Because uh, I see some some rotations being adjusted. Because Calaris didn't finish the game uh, at some points. Because uh, good reach uh, is playing really good basketball. So yeah, it, Fenerbahce is speaking in the right moment for sure. Diogo. Are they going for the title? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, uh, not necessarily that they're going to win it, but they're going for it, for sure. They are definitely a contender. Um, they are playing very good basketball, especially after the first quarter. They they played amazing. But uh, I got to get to Barcelona here because, like, we, <laughs> we, we've, we've been talking on the, on the private chat uh, that... That quote that is, I love being right. And once again, uh, when Sadoransky went to the bench, the, they had that 17-point lead in the first quarter, and then he went to the bench, and their offense just died, and Fenerbahce got back in the game. So they have Mirotic playing at such an elite level, and, and they don't take advantage of that because the rest of the guys either don't step up, or when they do, then Sarunas takes them out, so something is clearly wrong with Barcelona uh, and they have to figure that out because they should be the best team. Um, 
but whatever. I mean, once Sato went to the bench, Fener got back in the game. Then the third quarter was close. And in the fourth, when when Barcelona got the lead back, Sarunas takes him out because he, he commits the fourth foul. But, like, there were three or four minutes left in the game. Like, you got to live with the results. You just can't take your best player out in a situation like that. It was a one-point game. And you can you can clearly see that, that the momentum swinged all the way to Fenerbahce's side. And all of a sudden, it was a double-digit lead for Fenerbahce. And even though Miritic came back in, they, they never got it back. So, I mean... Uh, there's not much to say. Like it, Fenerbahce deserves their credit; they did a good job. But I think Barcelona they they lost that game more than Fenerbahce won. Allowing the other team to to build up a momentum and not being able to kill it and not doing not taking the necessary steps to kill it, it will uh, end up costing you games. And I think this was one of one of those cases, and it can be frustrating to watch. In a way, it's similar to the the situation we just spoke about with Real Madrid, or has some similar factors. But you really have the solutions, and in Barcelona case, I think they are obvious and uncontested so I don't think um, I think it's just about using them to for them to, to be able to lock these games yeah for sure let's continue and uh, let's move on to Greece where Paratinakos broke their losing streak they got the win 75-66 against uh, Red Star the MVP of the game was Giorgio Papagianis with 70.7 rebounds 2 assists when 1 block Ponitka is stepping up and it's playing at a good level with 8.5 rebounds and 3 assists while Nedovic was the best for Red Star with uh, 12 points, 2 rebounds and 3 assists. And uh, I will start with Nerovic. I don't know what happened in this game, but it was a very strange coaching decision. And I don't want us to be criticizing coaches. We love coaches and we love uh, basketball strategy here on this podcast. That's not the point. It was just strange to see him on the bench for the last 12 minutes of the game after he was clearly the, the best player for, for Red Star. But uh, after a great win against FS. Uh, this was a game that Red Star had to win if they they wanted to go on a playoff run and keep staying on the playoff hunt. They now trail three wins below eight with five teams between them and the eighth place and uh, they are probably out of the, the race for, for the playoffs. It was already hard for them to, to get there and I think that now they are they are out of it. Papa Giannis was able to dominate in the paint as we expected but uh, the story of this game was told when halfway through the third quarter Paratinaikos was down 16 37-53 and they went on a 30-5 run to take over the game and to get this win it was a huge comeback that was built on a great defensive performance on the second half allowing only 24 points from Red Star Tiago, this was the Paratinaikos win you wanted to pick on this double header, right? Yeah, no. Because <laughs> my my boy uh, Petrozev and even Nerovich lost, but uh, about the game that thirty to five run uh, for Panitinakos killed Cervenas Vesa aspirations for a playoff spot. It was fun to to watch Panitinakos players to reach their full potential because Matt Thomas helps a lot in their stagger actions. Then Papa Giannis had an impressive performance. Uh, I was not expecting this from him, but he dominated Cervenas bigs. Uh, then the final minutes, Panathinaikos forced Cervenas Vesa to make some mistakes and turnovers, and they punished them. Uh, so, great victory for uh, Panathinaikos. They were needing this. 
So yeah, on Cervernus Vesa side, uh, I think that you can have your two uh, point guards with seven points together. Vildosa scored all seven, and Campazzo uh, was scoreless. So yeah, if they if they were they want to win, I think that these two players have to step up on the offense. Yeah, I agree, and it was interesting to see the the news coming after the game of Paratinaikos be hunting Vildosa for for next season. But uh, let's let's continue on this game and Duke. This was a, a great comeback from Paratinaikos, and uh, Red Star really is away from the playoff hunt, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um... I think this was a, a must-win game for Red Star, and they had a 16-point lead, and they blew it. So I, I think they also blew their playoff chances because they, they don't have a, an easy schedule like we we've talked about previously. So uh, I think nah, I, I don't think they they'll be able to do it. Um, Campazzo going scoreless uh, is something I did not expect, and they obviously need him. So that was tough, and then Panathinaikos without arguably their best player, Dwayne Bacon, they was able to, to get together and go on that 30-5 run. And obviously, a run like that is a, a killer for any team. So they were able to get the win. Uh, I just hope that they can start building now uh, for next year with the possibility of Lazo taking over. Uh, I think they played very good in this game, especially in that second half. But for Red Star, it's just disappointing because... If you look at this loss and the loss against Alba, man, and then the Bayern, those three, those three losses, that that's just that sucks for them because had they won, like I'm not even gonna say the three, but had had they won two of the three, I think they would have been right there in the fight. And right now, I just I just don't see it. Yeah, and we saw them playing at a very high level against Efes with intensity, and again, like we know, Efes is struggling, but. They they showed that they can play at a at a high level on both sides of the court and being intense on defense and, and perform well on the on offense, but uh, they cannot lose these games if um, if they want to be in the playoffs and if before Campazzo being out uh, was something that they needed to wait it for and that could get them in trouble now now they were the ones like not performing at the level that they needed to perform. And for our Paratinaikos fans, they, they have some of the, the best fan base on the EuroLeague and they certainly have one of the arenas that I enjoy the most to go and watch watch games. Uh, unfortunately, we have seen their attendance falling this season. And I will let you, Diogo, to, to elaborate a bit on, on Pablo Lasso's potential hiring and what that can mean for Paratinaikos. I just want them to to start coming back to the arena and for the, the team and the fans to, to get back together. And uh, to to see Paratinaikos growing into into something and um, and performing at the, the highest level, they they certainly have a decent roster and uh, they they will be looking to add the pieces to to come back to the to the top of the Euroleague. How, what do you think that Pablo Lasso's hiring might mean for for this team? I think it could be huge because based on the reports that came out, um, he wants a three year deal to be able to build something. Like it's not a a one year thing where it's either you turn this around or or you're out. So I like that. Um, I like that it's a three year deal. So so to give him a chance to build a team uh, year by year, and hopefully uh, they can get him a nice roster. 
because they have talented players. Like, I don't think that's the problem. Uh, I, I just think they need a coach to to get it together and to to implement a good play style that fits uh, the roster they have. And I think Pablo Laza can do that. So I'm looking forward to see it. For sure, it will be something to motivate the Paratinakos fan base on this uh, not so good season. And hopefully, they are able to to stay competitive for the last games of the season, and they can build from there and have good years in front of them. They they for sure are one of the historic franchises of the the Euro League, and one team that that when the team is good, Euro League also gains from it. So I'm cheering for them certainly. Let's end on the. Diogo Valente matchup of the round 28, mm-hmm. Basconia Monaco. This was a high scoring game, 93-102. And this was the Chima Moneca game. The high energy being all over the, the floor really helped Monaco getting this win. He ended the game as MVP and with 14 points, 13 rebounds, two assists, one steal, and one block. Donta Hall was a good sidekick for Monaco's energy with 15 points, six rebounds, and one steal. While Darius Thompson is playing at a very, very high level and was the best for Basconi with 20 points, one rebound, 12 assists, two steals, and one block. Not much change on this game, but apparently no problem for Monaco. They went for 102 points without their top offensive weapon. Monaco energy was a big part of this win. He was all over the court. He really contributed and this is what they got him for. They for sure are happy that uh, he was able to, to provide in a game that they, they really needed and in a game that can have implications for their home court advantage aspiration on the first round of the playoffs. But Konya wasn't able to keep up with the um, signs of improved defense that uh, they had shown on the last rounds. But Konya was able to come back from a five-point deficit on at uh, halftime. But Monarch with a 7-0 run to close the third quarter. They went into the fourth quarter with a one-point lead. In the end, Monarch was able to outscore Basconia and got this win. Tiago. It's almost impossible to get a win when you commit 17 turnovers and allow 17 offensive rebounds like Basconia did on this game, isn't it? Yeah, at this level and against a team like Monaco, you can commit uh, their mistakes. Uh, and Monaco had a lot of second-point chances and a lot of possessions, so this costed Basconia uh, game. Uh, adding the fact that uh, the defense that they're playing is not real good, so you just can expect uh, a loss against a Mon- this Monaco team. Shout out to Monaco backcourt because uh, on Mike's James' absence, they knew how to close the game because they hit it uh, this game uh, with Basconia two points against 15 and both of them uh, shared uh, 13 points. So on the star absence, they stepped up and it's really good. To, to see this backcourt playing together. Jordan Lloyd is a brilliant basketball player, isn't he, Diogo? Absolutely. Uh, I've been talking about him. Uh, if he is a number one option, he can have games like this on a regular basis. Um, obviously, with Mike James absent, they, everybody stepped up. It wasn't just Jordan Lloyd. Um, Elio Kobo, Moneke, Donta Hall, Alfa Diallo, they all played very good games. And for whoever enjoys uh, guard play like I do, just go watch this game and you will for sure love it. Um, even though Basconia shot uh, from the three at a much higher level, uh, Monaco was able to, like you guys said, to win the rebounding battle and for 17 turnovers. And I think the most important part uh, about Monaco's game here was getting to the free throw line 
uh, while the three-point shot wasn't falling because they they scored 19 free throws, and I think that helped them a lot. So, but this was a, a very good basketball game. Uh, the guards on both sides, uh, we've talked about Jordan Lloyd and Okobo, but also Marcus Howard and Darius Thompson were very good. So it was a very good game uh, with uh, high scoring, so I think it was very entertaining to see. And this is a big win for Monaco because they have a legit shot at getting home court advantage in the playoffs, and I think that's very important. I think Darius Thompson is is clearly in the contention to one of the best playmakers of the EuroLeague. The, the, he's also playing at an incredible level, and after Harry left, he really took his game to an even higher level. He's playing absolutely incredible basketball as well. It was indeed a a Joe Valent matchup of the week and it was a, a worthwhile one. If someone missed it, I recommend to go back and, and watch it. This was another episode of the European Hoops podcast. Make sure you guys tune in Tuesday, one day earlier this week, when we will be previewing all the action of round 29 and uh, the game from round 24 that uh, was delayed between Efes and Real Madrid. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes and follow us on Twitter at Itos EuroLeague, where we bring you any news that break about the competition, must-watch games, injury reports, and our trades in the end of each day of the competition, bringing you all the highlights of the action. My name is Andre, and I'll be seeing you guys soon. See you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed the same as we did. Stay tuned for more. Bye, guys. See you all next time.